Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And so what we believe is that during the Great Tribulation period and in the millennial reign of Christ, or after the Great Tribulation period, in the millennial reign of Christ, David in his resurrected body, Jesus sitting on the throne, giving David this charge to be a shepherd for his people. To be a shepherd for his people. In spite of all of his mistakes, in spite of all of his sin, God restoring him to what David knew, when he was a young boy and also learned as he went along, learned some very hard lessons. Today on Truth in Christ, we continue to learn about shepherding the flock. Although Peter knew that leadership was an important aspect of his calling, he also remembered Jesus' three-part commission to him in the book of John, chapter 21. In that passage, Jesus told Peter to show his love for Jesus by feeding and tending Jesus' sheep. A spiritual shepherd does his job in two main ways. Jesus emphasized to Peter that a shepherd must feed the sheep with his word. Second, the shepherd must tend to the sheep, which means protecting, guiding, nurturing, and caring for the sheep. And now, let's turn our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 2, and follow along with Pastor Rob. For poisonous berries and plants, things that would disrupt the sheep digestive system, things that would kill them, things that would be bad for them. A shepherd goes into the field. Do you know that? They still do that today. Before they bring them out to a plateau or some place, the shepherd walks around. He goes out there and he's looking for stuff. And he'll pull up those things that he knows the sheep is going to eat because a sheep is a sheep. If it's there, if it's green, I'm eating it. Right? <laughs> Could be an asparagus laying out there. He's just going to eat it. It's green. I'm going to eat it. <laughs> So the shepherd has to go ahead of time. And you know, a good pastor also will not give you his opinion, but rather what the Bible says. A a shepherd, a pastor gives good provender. And if he does have an opinion, it will be based on the Word of God. He won't give you just a 15-minute sermonette, but mine is. Actually, today, it's only a half hour. Um, But he doesn't give you just a 15-minute sermon on current events or tell stories to make you laugh. One of the other things a a good shepherd will do is he'll watch for enemies trying to attack the sheep. Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. A sheep has that wonderful assurance that the shepherd is going to take care of them. And you know, a good pastor will also warn. 
He'll warn concerning dangers in our culture. And that's what Pastor Jeff did. That's what I'm hoping to do and continue to do, to warn you against false teachers, against books, movies, and music that promote false doctrine. We have to be aware of those things. A good pastor will do that. Stay away from this. Have you heard about this? Stay away from that. This thing is just a bunch of junk. Don't listen to it. Don't watch it. Don't hear it. And believe me, there's so much stuff out there. You could spend every, every Sunday just talking about that. But a good shepherd will also defend the sheep from attackers. In Psalm 23, it says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod is used to beat off predators. The rod to use to beat off predators. You remember David, as he was about to go out and slay Goliath, he had this dialogue with King Saul. And David said to Saul, Your servant used to feed his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it. Delivered the lamb from its mouth, and when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. <laughs> I love David. Can't wait to meet him. Can't wait to meet him. Such a great guy. I just grab a club and knock him. You know, just the wolves come after you. You just stand there with a club. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing, has de- seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. <laughs> Go for it, young man. Go west. Kill that giant, that genetic nightmare, Goliath. And a good pastor will be the one, or one of the first, if necessary, and able to defend someone from being harmed. That's why we have nuclear bombs here up at the pulpit. If anybody comes in, i got these little row of buttons right here that the elders installed. So I can just aim the platform, and I can just hit the button, and um, mushroom cloud, little prayer service, it's over. No, but... That's what a shepherd does. A shepherd protects. A pastor should protect as often as we can and when we can. doesn't mean that any, a pastor is a Rambo. He's not. Sometimes they're the thinnest guys in the group, although I'm not one of the thinnest, certainly. Another thing that a shepherd does is prote- protects from danger. Again, your rod and your staff. Your staff, they comfort me. A staff with a crook in it. You know, you've seen the, the shepherd's staff. It looks like a candy cane usually. That would allow the shepherd to put it around a wayward sheep, perhaps too close to a precipice or a cliff. He would just reach that thing around and grab it right from the, around the inside here and just pull that sheep back. Or perhaps if a sheep is trying to get out and, and, is, and he's trying to get a hold of the sheep because he's got to fix the sheep, he's got to shave it, he's got to pull out parasites, he's got to anoint the head and get the flies from um, getting infected in his eyes. Sometimes a sheep doesn't want to be bothered, but you've got you to gotta hook them. <laughs> and so that's what that, that end would be with the crook in it. It would be a way for them to, to capture that sheep, to do what is good for that sheep, even though the sheep doesn't want to be helped. A good shepherd, too, will heal the wounded and sick sheep. In Psalm 23, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And even a good pastor will seek to bring healing and encouragement to hurting people. And that's really what this fellowship is. That's what this church is. It's a, it's a hospital. It ought to be. It ought to be a place where we can come and be ourselves. Too often churches are places where we all put on our, our face. We put on our facade. How you doing? Oh, I'm great. Great. <laughs> when you're really not great, why don't you just be honest? 
Honesty is good, folks. We don't have to lie to one another. We don't have to put on airs with one another. We ought not to. We mustn't because time is short. We need to be encouraging one another. And my, I, I want to encourage you to put down the walls. You don't have to blab everything to everybody, but, you know, if somebody asks how you're doing, just say, well, you know what? Struggling. This is what's going on. Would you pray for me? Will you do that? Will you swallow your pride as I need to as well and be honest with your brothers and sisters? Be honest with God. Another thing that a shepherd will do is he'll find and he'll save a lost or trapped sheep. We know that Jesus goes after the 99, or he leaves the 99 to go after that one who has strayed. In First Peter, in this very epistle, in the second chapter, he says, For we were like sheep going astray. Every one of us, we were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. And a good pastor will not just wait for, but will seek out that which was lost. That's why we have an outreach. That's why we're doing it together, because we want to go out together. As often, and again, don't worry about the outreach. If, you, if, 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 you're, if that's not something that you want to do, pray. Pray for those who are going out. Pray for the hearts that are going to be touched, hopefully. We're going to give it a shot. We're going to pray for our neighbors in this area, all around this neighborhood. We're going to pray for them. Come if you want to, but it's not compulsion. Don't feel guilty. Come if you can on Saturday. We'll, we'll, as we get closer to it, we'll let you know more information. But, but come with us, and don't be afraid. Grow. And if you can't or don't want to go for whatever reason, there's no harm. Just pray. Pray. Maybe that's what God has called you to do in that whole thing, is just to pray. There's no need to feel guilty and feel like you're manipulated into doing something. Don't ever feel that way. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. We do things because we're, God is the one who touches us, and we want to do it for him. But that's okay. Every one of us are on this trajectory of Christ-likeness, and sometimes we're all not in the same place, but we're all headed in the right direction, the same direction. Another thing a shepherd will do is he'll love them. He'll share their lives and so earning their trust. A good pastor will enjoy fellowshipping with you, listen to you, listen to you, and he'll also eat all your cookies and baked goods. That's what a pastor will do. There's a really excellent book I'd encourage you to read. If you haven't read it, I've read it at least twice. It's a book by Philip Keller called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. I got this at the Webster used book sale for a dollar. And let me tell you, it's worth more than a dollar. I'd pay $20 for this or more. It's a great book. I'd encourage you to get one and read it. Philip Keller's A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. It's an awesome one. In Ezekiel chapter 34, there was a time when, uh, you remember, when the children of Israel went into captivity in Babylon. And a couple hundred years just prior to that, the northern ten tribes were taken into captivity by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. And then just a hundred or so, 150 years or so later, around 586, uh, actually before that, 606 B.C., 
Nebuchadnezzar came and took the two tribes, the southern tribes, took them into captivity. But Ezekiel was ministering to those who were in captivity in Babylon. And in Ezekiel chapter 34, he goes through, and we don't have time to read it all this morning, but I'd encourage you to read the whole entire chapter of Ezekiel 34 because he talks about irresponsible shepherds, what an irresponsible shepherd was, and the things that they did. And his indictment is listed there quite graphically about what the shepherds of that land were supposed to do. And I'm not talking about shepherds of sheep, but the religious leaders, what they were supposed to be doing, that they weren't doing. And he lays out this charge for them, and through verses 1 through 10, and then finally we get to verse 11, and he says, talks about the true shepherd, God. He is the true shepherd. He says, For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I'll bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and in the valleys and in the inhabited places. I will feed them in good pasture. And their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. And there they shall lie down in a good fold. And they'll feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. Verse 15, I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring back what was driven away. I'll bind up the broken and I'll strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. And as for you, O my flock, thus says the Lord, behold, I shall judge between sheep and sheep, between ram and goats. Is it too little for you to have eaten up the good pasture, that you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pasture, and to have drunk of the clear waters, that you must foul the residue with your feet? And as for my flock, they eat what they have trampled with their feet, and they drink what you have fouled with your feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat and the lean sheep, Because you have pushed with side and shoulder, butted all the weak ones with your horns, scattered them abroad, therefore I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be a prey. I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I love what it says here in verse 23 and 24. And he says, I will establish one shepherd over them and shall feed them. My servant David. Now, wait a minute. (laughs) David, he passed away like at least five or six hundred years prior to when he wrote this. So what is he speaking of? He says, I will establish one shepherd over them, and I will feed them. He's speaking about something coming yet in the future. My servant David, he shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken. And so what we believe is that during the Great Tribulation period, and in the millennial reign of Christ, or after the Great Tribulation period, in the millennial reign of Christ, David, in his resurrected body, Jesus sitting on the throne, giving David this charge to be a shepherd for his people. To be a shepherd for his people. In spite of all of his mistakes, in spite of all of his sin, God restoring him to what David knew when he was a young boy, and also learned as he went along, learned some very hard lessons. And in verse 30 of this same chapter, he says, Thus you shall all know that I, the Lord, their God, am with them, and they, and he's speaking to the house of Israel, are my people, says the Lord. So even in the Old Testament, God is speaking about this shepherd, this good shepherd. And we also know that Jesus, in John's Gospel, said this, John verse uh, chapter 10, he says, 
Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, and all whoever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, I will be saved, or he will be saved, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling who does not know the shepherd, or he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. But again, verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I'm known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, guess what? That's you and I. He's speaking to the Jews. He says, other sheep I have. The children of Israel were his sheep, but Jesus said, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I must also bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. And speaking of the uniting of Jew and Gentile together, and what we know as the body of Christ, the church. That's what's coming. And David, God's going to allow him to shepherd over that. Over the, he's going to be an under-shepherd over the great shepherd in that millennial reign in Jerusalem, we believe. In that same chapter in John... He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me, if God, God the Father gives them to Jesus, I would say that they're pretty secure in the hand of Christ. If God the Father gives you something, guess what? It's, it's a, is there anybody that's going to take it away from you? Is there any sheep, any one of us that can be taken away out of Jesus' hand? I don't think so. He said, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Is your salvation secure this morning? Absolutely. If you've given your heart to Christ, to the great shepherd, there is no one that can take you out of his hand. You may say, well, you don't understand what I've done this week. You don't understand the great sin that I committed last week. You don't understand the things that I did in my youth that were so foul I can't even mention them, for they would defile you just by me telling you. I'll say to you, so what? (laughs) No matter how great your sin is, Jesus is the great shepherd. And he can forgive you no matter how vile and ugly and twisted and weird and sick, whatever it is that you've ever done. It's nothing. Is there anything that can compare to the blood of Almighty God on the cross? Jesus Christ on the cross? Is there anything that's like, oh, I don't know, that's, that's a pretty severe sin. You stole bubble gum at 7-Eleven when you were little? I don't know if the blood of Christ can cover that. Maybe a white lie, but that's tough. <laughs> no. There's nothing. There's no murderer. There's no serial killer. There's no rapist. There's no mass murderer that can ever look at Jesus and say, can you forgive me? The answer is going to be, yes, I can, but you need to repent. You need to turn from your sin. So we need to listen for the still, small voice of God. You remember when Jesus was resurrected, he told his disciples to meet him in the Galilee. He told them to go before them and and meet them. He would meet them in Galilee. And you remember that Peter 
after the resurrection, he, he was so, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, he became so discouraged. At one point, he looked at his fellow guys and says, you know what? I don't know what's happening. I don't know what my plan, what God's plan is and all this, but you know what? I'm, I'm going fishing. So they do. They go up to Galilee. They start fishing. They catch nothing. <laughs> Jesus is on the shore in the morning, and he's got coals of fire. He's building a fire. And he calls them to shore after Jesus tells them to cast the net on the other side. What do you mean? We've been fishing all of our life. We know this, we know lake. We know this lake better than you, Lord. <laughs> oh, well, throw your, net on the, throw your nets on the other side. Oh, okay, we'll throw a net. They catch such a great amount of fish. They bring him to shore. Jesus has this wonderful dialogue with Peter. And I love what he says to him. Jesus, the chief shepherd, looking at Peter, the one who has been disgraced, the one who's feeling pretty horrible about his denial of Christ. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Perhaps looking at this great draught of fish they just caught as a result of the Lord's leading. Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. These are your marching orders, Peter. I know that you're feeling like a failure. I know that you failed. And I know that you feel worthless. And you know what? That's a great prerequisite for serving in the kingdom of God is feeling worthless and bankrupt. He recommissions him and he says, feed or tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And finally Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Just as Peter now has been ministered to by the Lord, now fast forward in time a little bit, now Peter is sharing the same thing with these men that have been dispersed. And now he says to them, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, not by force, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not for the money. If you're in it for the money, you you're, should be doing something else. It's not about money. It's about being faithful to him. But to shepherd the flock that is among you. Tend to their needs. Don't impose things on them. You know, the needs of this body are different from the needs of other bodies. There are some fellowships that are, that, well, there's a lot of elderly folks. In our church, there's a mixed, it's mixed. So what I try to propose, young events and things in a church with a, with a bunch of elderly folks, I've got to tend and minister to the flock that is among me, among us. That's what the, the job is, to know them, to get to know them. And as you do, you're able to minister them in a way that they can receive. If I'm speaking to a really young congregation, I'm going to speak to them a little bit differently than, somebody, than a congregation that's older. You have to think about who it is that's before you. Shepherd the flock that is among you. You remember Paul in the, in the book of Acts as he spoke to those Ephesian elders on the beach in Acts 20. In verse 27, he said to them, the Paul, this great shepherd, this under-shepherd, he said to them, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to the flock among you which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He's made you bishops. He's made you an episcopal. Episcopal. <laughs> to shepherd the church of God, which he, Jesus, has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, Paul said, that after my departure, they weren't going to see him after this. 
These Ephesians believers, they knew that this was the last time they were going to see Paul, see Paul because he was going to be bound back to Rome before long where Nero would execute him. They knew in their heart, this is the last time we're going to see Paul. And what did he say to them? He says, I know this, guys, that after my departure, savage wolves, they're going to come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, even among the church leaders, there's going to be men who will rise up speaking perverse things, drawing the disciples after themselves. He says, therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn every one of you night and day with tears. Night and day with tears. And that's what a shepherd does. And we see Paul being this wonderful under-shepherd. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.